This is the Illegitimate Scholar Podcast, the podcast for humans, not limited by mainstream academia. I'm Sam, and I quit teaching history because I loved the content, but hated the limits on what and how I could teach. In this podcast, you'll hear stories in history, anthropology, culture, and geopolitics that make you rethink what you were taught in school. Uh, listeners on the podcast have like doubled in a week or so. I've been going on a lot of other shows. If you're from there, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Today, what is the nature and origin of taxation? How has taxation differed over time and place? We're going to do some historical examples, like always. How does our conception of what taxation is normalize it? And what other perceptions of taxation are possible? So what other ways of looking at taxation are? Is there a way of looking at taxation from a different way? Because taxation is a socially constructed term that means something defined by our most of us is public education. Most of us do public education. Maybe they're teaching something different at private school and when they're on the track to go to Harvard. I'm not one of them. If you're listening to this podcast, I doubt you are either. You're probably listening to Barack Obama's podcast or something, but you're not listening to mine. It's old cliche. Death and taxes are the only thing in life that are guaranteed. And today, taxes are taken in the form of dollars, but in the past, that hasn't been the case always. So we're going to go into a few examples of taxes uh, over time, some historical examples, and we're going to start with Egypt. Um, after that, we're going to talk about a few other examples. We're going to get to the Roman Empire. You know, when we're talking about taxes, we're talking about money or in certain places, we're talking about food and crops and things. But there's, you know, there's another thing that taxes can be taken in, which is pretty dark. Um, so look out for that near the end of the, the episode. At the end, we're going to talk about like our social construction of how we conceive of taxing and legitimate governments and things like that and, and how maybe there's a different way to view that. First taxes we know of are in Egypt. And in Egypt, the tithe, which you might know, it's like a biblical thing. The first reference to the tithe was in the Old Testament. They would take a tithe from ag agricultural products to the Pharaoh. So at this point, the taxes aren't really in the form of coins. This is before there's wide circulation of things like this. So they take taxes in the form of what people are producing. Most people are subsistence farmers. So they took a portion of that. I think it was like 20%, sometimes 10%. There was also a corvée, a corvier. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a labor tax. And it's a tax that, especially if you couldn't pay the full tithe, you would be taxed in your labor. So they would, like, you would work for the government. And um, that would be a form of taxation. And when you were working for the government, you couldn't work on your own farm, of course. So sometimes it would carry over to this thing that was generational because... You know, no one can get ahead because they owe the tithe every year and then they keep having to do labor taxes so they can't make the money to pay the tithe. So these were taxes in products, food, labor. Um, they're levied on whatever the person or the place that we're talking about has. In ancient Athens, there was a liturgium, public service, and this was financing of military and public works by the richest Athenians. And this was a great honor for them. It wasn't even enforced by law at first. It was a, a status symbol. And this does remind me, some of you might have heard me talk about uh, things like mochas or potlatches, which are these more traditional ceremonies in the Pacific Northwest and in Papua New Guinea for the mochas, where they would uh, redistribute goods, have these big feasts. This So in, in those societies, giving away of material goods would bring people great status. And it's true in Athens as well that it brings you a great status to do this. So the poor people are not taxed, but the, the richest Athenians give this liturgium and it makes them in a higher status in society to do this. It's seen as a great honor and they were painted alongside like military heroes. In the Persian Empire, uh, the satrapies of the empire... 
there is a census of what the place produces. They each have their own specialty and the Persian Empire would see what they have there and then they would take a census of it and they would take a portion of whatever they had. So if it was silver currency that they had, then they would take that. They might take crops. They might take, uh, a, if there's a gold mine there, they would take gold. Whatever that region produces, they would, they would take a cut of it. Roman Republic, so this is first place in Rome. There are taxes on wealth rather than production. And this is different than today. Today, there's some talks about putting in a wealth tax, but the taxes that we have are on production. So the taxes could be between 1% and 3% in wartime. And these were taxes on land, homes, other wealth, like material wealth, uh, slaves, which we're going to get back to in a little bit. The Roman Empire, which is after the Republic, they stop collecting taxes from the citizens of Rome. So the people who are actual citizens of Rome, as opposed to the subjects who are in the conquered provinces of Rome. So if you're an actual citizen, you don't have to pay any of this tax. But if you're a subject, if you're a conquered person, like if you're in one of these conquered regions, then you do have to pay the tax. And that this is going to become important later, and it does kind of make a difference, okay? So when it's like a conquered province, the difference between what taxation is and what tribute is, it's a little blurred, okay? So tribute is what a conquered people pay to their conquerors. And this is what happened in the Roman Empire. They are taking a tax from the con conquered people. And in the Persian Empire, it's the same way. The word for tax in Latin is tributum. So their taxes were called tribute. In English, when we say tribute, we're talking about like, you know, how a conquered Gallic tribe might pay tribute to a larger tribe or chiefdom, you know, that took them over. There's a real difference between taxes and tribute, and you can call what we pay to our government as taxes, but the line between what a tax is and what a tribute is isn't really as clear-cut. And obviously, I'm going to make the argument that as conquered people, we're paying tribute to the government, right? I mean, that's the, that's the libertarian way to go. And there's also the fact of what sometimes this tribute was. You know, I mentioned slaves uh, a few minutes ago. Human capital, which is a euphemism essentially for, for slaves, was a currency for most of human history and all over the world up until very recently. I mean, it still is, but just not as much as a percentage of the human population. And this included sex slaves and concubines. If you go back to the Chinese Empire or the, um, the Ottoman Empire, you know, these might be very important positions. They, they might be very revered, but that doesn't mean that they had a choice or that they consented to it. There's also the element of it being like often a region that is uh, economically depressed that these women are taken from. These women want to be with the emperor because there's there aren't other options. You see this in modern times as well, that women have to turn to these types of things in like times of economic difficulty. At that point, it's it, it feels coercive, and I, I would argue that it probably is. One of these human capital taxes was what the Ottoman Turks took from their uh, Christian Balkan subjects. You know, they conquered this area. Um, some of the concubines would be taken from this area, again, against their will. And then um, they would take Devshirmi. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but this is a blood tax, and that means it's a tax on the people. Um, and they would take children from their parents in this place to serve um, in the personal army of the sultan, the Janissaries. And they were an elite unit, but they were slave soldiers. They were slaves, and they were taken from their culture into another. This is part of uh, the definition of genocide. So th this, this does constitute, per the UN definition, a genocidal action. Another example of the blood tax would be the ritual combat that the Aztecs uh, forced on their subject people. So after the Aztecs conquered 
a, a people near them, they would take turns with having ritual combat with the Aztecs. They would be forced to go to battle with the Aztecs, even though they've already been conquered. Aztecs would fight them, and they would win because they have an overpowering force. But in combat, the Aztecs wanted to capture enemy soldiers to then have them sacrificed in Tenochtitlan. And that was how they reached status in their society. So these these peoples were forced to pay this blood tax in the form of this ritual combat that they would have with the Aztecs, which is really terrifying. Um, almost as terrifying as having your kids taken to serve as slave soldiers. Sorry to interrupt. Please join the Discord. You will learn more. I promise. Engaging with the material helps you learn way better. The Discord is linked in the comments below or in the description. This is the illegitimate scholar. You don't need a degree to say something valuable. This podcast is about humans and you are human. Also, the podcast is staying ad-free, but I will be promoting books that I like and that I reference in the podcast. I'm an Amazon associate, so if you'd like to support the show and would like to read some recommended books or listen to audiobooks, then find the links below. What I recommend for this one is The Great Courses, Economic History of the World Since 1400. It's a lecture series, but it's done really, really well, and it explains the economic history of the modern world in a basic way. There's also a link to Audible, which is, of course, Amazon's um, audiobook. I have like the yearly subscription for like 24 books, and I still buy more credit because I read a lot of books. If you're not already on it, I really recommend it. Um, so if you'd like to do that, link is down below. And I'm also going to do a mystery book every time. So there is uh, a book that I recommend that maybe or maybe not is related to the content of today, but the link is below and you have to click it to find out what it is. Please do that if you want to support the show. Only buy something if you actually want it. And then there was also jizya, which in the Ottoman Empire and other caliphates, this is the tax on non-Muslim subjects. So like the Roman Empire, the caliphates would not tax their Muslim subjects, but they would tax their pagan, Druze, uh, Christian, and, and Jewish subjects. And this was both a way for them to incentivize uh, conversion to Islam, but it was also a way for them to weaken subject peoples and also to enrich themselves. So like I said before, the root of tribute is the Latin word tributum, and it means contribution, and that was the word that they used for tax. The difference between tribute and tax gets blurred over time, especially when Roman citizens stop paying it. The progressive tax system is a system like in Athens where the richest people are paying this tax. Regressive tax systems are when poor, less privileged people are paying higher tax rates than uh, richer people. And that's what happens in the United States where famously um, Warren Buffett pays a higher, a lower tax rate than his secretary or like systems in France leading up to the French Revolution where the clergy and the nobles, they didn't pay a tax. It was only the, uh, the regular people that had to pay a tax, which, you know, feels like a system of the clergy and the noblemen as them kind of, you know, conquering the local people. I mean, that's, that's how it feels. And that's kind of what feudalism is in a sense. The privileges system, which was in France leading up to the French Revolution, that's named after the Roman privilege system, which was just uh, practicum or something like that. But it was the privilege of being a Roman citizen and not having to pay that tax. And that was because they were not the conquered people. So taxes today in the United States are in dollars. And so the in, instead of them being like a tax on people, uh, where they're taking literal slaves or attacks on products. I mean, it's it's attacks on money, which is a stand-in for products, essentially. But the reason they can just tax in dollars is because money is widespread now. Currency is widespread where it wasn't at the time. It's essentially the same thing as a labor tax because they don't need to tax you and make you do the labor. They can just tax 
a quarter of the money that you produce from your labor. And that's essentially the same thing. And, you know, if you add up four people being taxed 25%, you've essentially got a slave. And, you know, I'm saying that in a metaphorical sense, but like, if you're in a society that has slavery as an institution and you need certain numbers of slaves to make the society run and you need, let's say, 10,000 slaves, that's essentially the labor of 10,000 human beings. And if you instead can tax 25% of the production of 40,000 individual people, that gives you the same value of labor as 10,000 slaves. And that's why some people say that that capitalism is slavery with extra steps. And it certainly feels a lot more similar to being a conquered people when you're in a tax system where the richest and most powerful people in the country are paying a lower tax percentage than normal everyday people. And that's that's kind of the system we're in today. And you know, I'm obviously people today live much better than slaves at any point in history, Roman Empire, Western Hemisphere, like the slavery under the Ottoman Empire, any of them, any sort of slavery, we're, we're better off today. But at the same time, from, from an accounting or a logistical perspective, the, the human labor that, that can be produced by these government, by, by this tax dollars that people get, might as well be the same thing from a logistical standpoint as having slavery in the form of human capital. We've been trained to, to think that taxation is acceptable. Um, and, that, and that's done through social constructs like universities that frame taxation in a certain way. But we also understand this word tribute. And now I've told you the root of it, which is in the Roman tax system. Okay, so when you're talking about tribute, like let's talk about the real difference there. If, if a conquered people is paying tribute and taxation is just what citizens pay to their government, but at the same time, there's an unequal system of taxation where the rich are being taxed less than like, what's the difference? It's, it feels like effectively the same thing. So I've, I made this example before, but let's talk about protection money from organized crime. In, in some places in the world, like some places in Mexico, organized crime is effectively the government. You know, if they're providing local services and they're providing protection, when people think protection money, they're thinking like, oh, you know, like pay me the money or I'll break your legs. And, you know, that's maybe part of it. But it's also they will literally protect you. And if the government cannot protect you through corruption or inability to reach out there and there is an organized crime organization that is actually protecting you from anyone else that might want to do you harm and you have to pay them money for that. And, you know, maybe they might hurt you if you don't pay it. At the same time, what's going to happen if you don't pay your taxes? You know, the cops probably aren't going to come beat you up. They might. They do that sometimes. That wouldn't be like the literal thing they're supposed to do. But the literal thing they're supposed to do is arrest you and put you in jail, which is a form of violence. And it's a form of legitimized violence because it's done by the state that a lot of people view as legitimate. But that's the difference. The difference is the legitimacy of that state. And we've talked about the legitimacy of states before where you have a country like China that the People's Republic of China, which is what we call China today, and the Republic of China, which is what we call Taiwan on the island of Formosa, uh, for a long time, there was an argument about who was the legitimate government. And the government of the People's Republic of China was not viewed as legitimate. Over a few decades, they became the legitimate government. That's what might happen with the Taliban because they have the monopoly of violence. They're the ones who are allowed to commit violence there. And they've, they've owned the territory for not long enough. It becomes stable. And then it's kind of like, you know what? Yeah, I guess you own the land. That's what happened in South Sudan. 
South Sudan split off of Sudan. We'll see what happens after this. It's not going well. Um, you don't hear a lot about it, mostly because it's in Africa and it's not like geopolitically important, but there's some bad stuff going on there. Um, if you look at the Tigray region in Ethiopia, same thing, you know, it, it could be a problem there and there's bad stuff going on there. That place is a little bit more uh, geopolitically important than Sudan for the United States um, and Western allies. We've been trained to think that it's acceptable to be taxed and that it's not violence. It's just the way everything is. But these are all socially constructed ideas. The police are socially constructed. The concept of the police is capitalism, the concept of money. It's all social construction. There's nothing that says that the land that you're standing on right now is the United States or is Japan or is whatever. The international date line isn't a real line. Okay, These are just lines on a map. And they represent things, but they only represent things as long as we believe in them. And as long as we believe that taxation is separate and different from protection money, then people will continue to pay it. And I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. I pay my taxes. I don't want to pay my taxes, but I pay them because I'm scared of the government. We've been trained to think that this is the price we pay for living in our society and their rights, I guess, but it doesn't mean that any of us agree to it. And it doesn't change the fundamental nature of taxation as being exploitative especially when it's a regressive tax system. That is not an arbitrary distinction. If you have less money in a society and your socioeconomic class of people is becoming poorer while the richest people are becoming richer, then there is a disparity of wealth that's being created and is done at the point of exploitation. You know, other people, people have different arguments about this, but I think for me, it's hard for me to listen to an argument that argues for the richer people gaining increasingly more of the wealth and paying less of a share of what they make. The current definitions and framing of taxes and what a legitimate government is, is created to serve the ruling class. These types of things are created by textbooks and scholars that are funded in public institutions that are funded by people that want them to research certain things. It's not like all the data and research that we have exists as what people in society broadly think is most important. It exists based on what the people with the money to fund the research want to research. And so certain things just don't get researched and then we don't have data on them. And then those same institutions say that only the data and research that we do is legitimate. So if someone else does it, it's not legitimate. Those ideas promote the existence of these people in the minds of everybody as being the arbiters of truth. And only ideas that they deem as appropriate and worthy of research are the ideas that are going to be pushed forward. And definitions of taxation and definitions of legitimate government are created by these same people and other people in the ruling class that are in charge of the news media. And they produce the idea that between 1954 and 1970-something, that even though the People's Republic of China was in control of mainland China, the United States government kept on, they kept on supporting the claim of the Republic of China and that the Republic of China that we now call Taiwan was China, the legitimate Chinese government. And like, I'm not, I, I'm not saying that I disagree with that. I do agree with that, but it also, it, it's, it's a framing that serves the geopolitical interest of the United States, just like a framing of taxes that views it as a democratic good for people to do, even though we have a regressive tax system that taxes poor people more than it taxes the very rich. They, they spin it as a civic duty and they don't spin it as a conquered people paying tribute, but it's basically the same thing as paying tribute and it's taken at the point of a gun. 
please join the Discord. Link is below. You can give me ideas you want to see for episodes. Uh, I would really like some feedback on my logo if you have any ideas for that. Please join the Discord. Discuss all these things. And also look at the Amazon links below if you want to support the show and you like those books. You know, don't buy anything if you don't need it, but click those links, please, if you'd like to support the show. I really appreciate it.